Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Well, it's so, so good to be together again this morning. And I just want to add my welcome to our regular members, our guests, whether you're listening live, watching live now, whether you're catching up later, whether you're in the UK or overseas, you're really, really welcome with us. And as Richard said, our theme at the moment is in the book of Numbers, and we have a title for this theme, which is Make or Making Your Life Count. And Rich did a brilliant intro for a couple of weeks running, and then Mike picked things up last week. And what I want to do this morning is just really uh, help us as a church to keep moving and to be making our lives count. That's my title this morning, Making Our Lives Count and Advancing Into All That God Has For Us. You know, the book of Numbers is is really all about a journey uh, of God's people towards the promised land of Canaan. The whole book is an anticipation of occupying this land, and the land is an ever-present goal throughout the book. Uh, As as many of you will know, by way of background, uh, the nation of Israel left Egypt back in Exodus chapter 14, and they traveled to Mount Sinai where... Um, God gave them commandments and laws, and God reaffirmed his promise that he would give them a land and he would take them into this land. And they stayed in Mount Sinai and the rest of the book of Exodus for about 10 months uh, whilst more laws were given. And then Numbers picks up the story uh, with another three weeks to go at Mount Sinai. And um, as Richard explained in in one of the introductions, it's really split into five sections where they camp three times and they travel twice. And in this first section, Numbers chapters 1 to 10, we find uh, the first of of two censuses is taken, counting of of people. And the camp is organized and the Levites are given their tasks, as Mike Mike explained, and, and laws are given for keeping the camp clean and the tribes bring offerings for the tabernacle, and the Levites are dedicated. And then the second Passover is celebrated, the second year since they, well, the first year since they left Egypt. And then there are some instructions about trumpets, which are really interesting. And uh, what I want to do today is just focus right in chapter one, where the first of the censuses is given, is taken. And um, as we read this, we'll find there's lots of detail I always believe that's because the Holy Spirit has much to say to us in these things. There's lots of detail. It's a really simple account. But, you know, there are some things that are kind of just below the surface that we really need to catch hold of today because they are so relevant to us at this time. So we're going to read um, some some chunks of Scripture from the first chapter. I think they'll be on the screen. We're going to read um, from Numbers 1, verses 1 to 5, verses 17 to 21, and verses 44 to 46, which will give you a really good sense of what's going on here. So Numbers chapter 1, reading from the Holman translation. The Lord spoke to Moses in the tent of meeting in the wilderness of Sinai on the first day of the second month of the second year after Israel's departure from the land of Egypt. Take a census of the entire Israelite community by their clans and their ancestral homes, counting the names of every male one by one. You and Aaron are to register those who are 20 years old or more by their military divisions, everyone who can serve in Israel's army. A man from each tribe is to be with you, each one the head of his ancestral house, 
And these are the names of the men who are to assist you. Eliza, son of Shedwer from Reuben. And then another 11 names of 11 other men, leaders of the, of the, of the tribes and the houses who are going to assist in the counting. Then verse 17. So Moses and Aaron took these men who'd been designated by name and they assembled the whole community on the first day of the second month and they recorded their ancestry by their clans and their ancestral houses, counting one by one the names of those 20 years old or more. Just as the Lord uh, had commanded Moses, he registered them in the wilderness of Sinai. The descendants of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, according to their family records, by their clans and their ancestral names, uh, homes, sorry, counting one by one the names of every male, 20 years old or more, everyone who could serve in the army. Those registered for the tribe of Reuben numbered 46,500. And then another 11 very similar paragraphs describing the totals in each of the other tribes as well. And then we get to verse 44. These are the men Moses and Aaron registered with the assistance of the 12 leaders of Israel. Each represented his ancestral house. So all the Israelites, 20 years old or more, everyone who could serve in Israel's army were registered by their ancestral houses. All those registered numbered 603,550. Let me focus, first of all, on, on, on three things that I believe are most relevant to us at this time. And the first is to say this, they were all counted by name. Verse 2 says, take a census of the entire community by their clans and their ancestral houses, counting the names of every male one by one. And they assembled, and it goes on to say in, in verse 18, they assembled the whole community and they recorded their ancestry by their clans and their ancestral houses, counting one by one the names of those 20 years old or more. Now, I don't know whether you've ever seen a crowd of over 600,000 people, or, or if you've, I don't know what the highest number you've ever counted up to is, but you'd think that with so many men to count, it would be a quick head count. But the Lord is always so personal. It's a census by their clans, by their ancestral homes, counting the names one by one. Or the New Living Version says, record the names of all the warriors. The New International says, listing every man by name, one by one. Because God is interested in names, not just numbers. He's a father, not a statistician. And when all the names have been counted, the number of names is 603,550. I did a little check this morning. That's the highest number of people counted anywhere in the Bible. In fact, the only other number higher is a number of sheep counted somewhere else. But this is 603,550 names of men, plus their wives, plus their children. It would have been over 2 million people in total. I don't know whether you can begin to envisage or imagine that kind of a vast crowd. Numbers really mattered in the Old Testament, and they matter in the New Testament. We read of the 3,000, of the 5,000, of the 120. But disciples are always known to God by name. 
See, great in Acts chapter 9 when, Paul, uh, when uh, God calls Saul by name. Saul, Saul. And then later, he, uh, God speaks to a man named Ananias by name. Ananias, and calls him for a special task. In Acts chapter 10, he says, get up, Peter. He knows their names. In fact, in John 10 verse 3, it says, Jesus says, he calls his sheep by name. You're not a number. God cares for you. God knows you. God saves you by name. He knows your family. He knows your heritage. He knows where you fit. He knows which part of his church you're fitting in. The clan, the ancestral home. Every single person in this church is known and counts and matters. In chapter 2 of Numbers, which, uh, which we're certainly not going into today, you'll find it really matters where they camped. It really matters where they were positioned. It really mattered who they were next to. And I want to say to us this morning, it really matters who you're alongside, where you're plugged in, who's strengthening you, who's sharpening you, who are you alongside. He knows our names and he knows our numbers because it's really personal. You say, well, how well does he know me? Well, Psalm 139 says he knows when I sit, when I stand. He knows when I'm traveling, when I'm resting. He knows my thoughts and my words. He even knows the number of hairs on my head. You say, well, how long has he known me? Jeremiah says, Jeremiah 1 says, before you were born, I knew you. You, friends, are known and loved more deeply, more intimately, more faithfully than you could ever imagine. You are counted in. And wherever you are today, I just want that to be a tremendous encouragement and strengthening to you. God knows you by name. They were all counted by name. And then secondly, we read, um, I want to say they were all qualified to serve. They were all qualified to serve. Look again at uh, chapter 1, verse 2. You and Aaron are to register those who are 20 years old or more by their military divisions, everyone who can serve in Israel's army. Verse 45 tells us that all the Israelites, 20 years old or more, everyone who could serve in Israel's army were registered by, that, by their ancestral ho- ho- houses. All those registered numbered, as we know, 603,550. This is uh, more than a headcount. It's more even than a name check. It's more than a population estimate. This, what's happening here in Numbers 1, is the assembly of an army, the assembling of an army. This is nothing less than a preparation for war. It's a vast army. And as I learned on um, TV this week, the British army is currently about 120,000 people. This is far, far bigger. This is uh, an army to drive out God's enemies and and, and enable people to enter into Canaan, his promised land. And this Old Testament physical army comprised men of 20 years old or more. But this New Testament spiritual army comprises men and women, boys and girls of all ages, everyone who can serve, which is everyone. Every one of us can serve. And I think if there's one conclusion from Numbers chapter 1, it's that God wants to know who's on his side, 
Who's ready and willing and able and qualified to extend his kingdom? And I don't think God's heart has changed today because his cry is still, who can I send? Who will go for me? Who will go for us? And in these days we're in, it's so good to know God works everything together for the good of his purposes and his people, as it says in Romans 8, 28. I believe in these present days, God wants to use his church to show the world that there is a kingdom that cannot be shaken. A kingdom that cannot be shaken, as Hebrews 12 tells us. This is a very, very significant time for us. There is a thief who, di- who intends to steal and kill and destroy, who wants to immobilize the church. But God wants his army to stand up and be counted and be ready to serve. There is a thief who wants the church to be fixated and grumbling and moaning about all the things we can't do in this season. But God wants to remind us that there's nothing happening that changes who we are, who we are, what we are, what we are here to do, to do one little bit. So don't let the thief play mind games. It is time for God's people to be on the offensive. We may be meeting in different ways, but we are still his body, still his bride, still his family, still his army, still filled with his Holy Spirit. We still have the full armor of God. We still have weapons powerful to pull down strongholds. We still have a great commission. In terms of our nature, our identity, and our calling, nothing whatsoever has changed. I'm so blessed to hear what's happening in Kenya. This year, 200 people have been saved. Three new congregations have been planted. And I thank God for leaders who are focused on extending the kingdom, whatever the season. Last week, we were so blessed to have a, have a Zoom conference with the elders and wives and some others in Kenya. It was um, fraught with technical difficulties, but we got there, and it was absolutely fantastic to be together. I just want to say, let's be sure that our commitment to progress and advance and movement and momentum is prevalent in all our congregations and amongst all our members. Let's stand up and be counted. Mike referred last week to a wonderful verse in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, which in the New Living Translation says that he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Folks, we are all qualified to serve. And we all have different tasks. And I love that. I can't do your task. You can't do my task. And it's time for each of us to embrace our own special work. Your place in the army, my place in the army, the task God has given you, the task God has given me, whether that's outworked in your workplace, in your community, in in your family, or in our church life, wherever that task is outworked, now's a time to stand up and be counted and to serve in God's army. The third thing I want to say is this. They were all called by name. They were all qualified to serve but they all died in the desert. Everything was set. 
Everyone was counted, registered, and ready. This census that we read about is a list of the names of all those who came out of Egypt a year earlier and are now set to conquer Canaan and possess the land. And it's the highest number of people anywhere in the Bible. And they're all set to fulfill the destiny that God has for them. The destiny, the plan, the purpose that God had always had for them. But there's a great big elephant in the room as we read these opening chapters. There's a tragedy that's never far away. They were all counted out of Egypt, but they never got to be counted into Canaan, except two of them, Joshua and Caleb. And I'm sure later in our series we'll spend much time in the middle of the book, in chapters 13 and 14, where the tribes are represented to go and spy out the land and and they come back and 10 of them say, we can't possibly go in, that there are giants in there, we'll be, we'll be eaten alive. And, and, and two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, of course we can go in. This is God's plan and purpose for us. The census tells us how many made it out of Egypt, but it also serves as a record of how many didn't make it into Canaan, which is probably the greatest tragedy in the Bible. In fact, in Numbers 14, verses 29 and 30, we read what happened because of that rebellion when they spied the land and refused to believe God and decided they'd rather stay in the wilderness. Numbers 14, it says, your corpses will fall in this wilderness. All of you who were registered in the census, the entire number of you 20 years old or more, because you've complained about me. I swear that none of you will enter the land I promised to settle you in except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. In reality, this first sentence, this first census, is nothing more than a death toll. It's a checklist that for the next 38 years listed everybody who'd already died or who was waiting to die. Only two men made it. And I'm sorry to sound morbid, but that's what's happening here. This is awful. This is catastrophic. This is, this is a tragedy beyond, beyond our imagination. This first census, this first counting of people, is a memorial of what never happened. 603,548 men called to win at war who ended up wandering in the wilderness and dying in the desert. A vast number who left Egypt because God had prepared somewhere, someplace far better for them, but whose corpses littered the landscape in a dreadful display of wasted possibility. Numbers chapter 1 is a powerful picture of what could have been, of glorious potential cut short by unbelief and fear, and, and as you read on, division and grumbling and moaning and, and all sorts of sins against God. It's a long list of failure of squandered inheritance, of of a passed-up destiny, of men who counted themselves out and then wandered for 38 years, killing time and waiting for a generation of unbelief to die and a new generation of faith and adventure to emerge. Make no mistake, folks, God's purpose will always prevail. God will always find a way. He'll always use another people if we say no, if we count ourselves out. And we must read Numbers 1 as a, as a warning to us. 
It's what the apostles tell us in the New Testament. Paul, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 5 and onwards, he says, God was not pleased with most of them, for they were struck down in the wilderness. Now these things became examples for us, so that we will not desire evil things as they did. Now these things happened to them as, as um, examples and were written as a warning for us on whom the ends of the ages have come. Now I know I've been a bleak, bit bleak for the last five minutes, but... It seems that one of the hardest things for God's people to do is enter into all that he's planned for them. Even at the end of the book of Numbers, when a new generation has emerged, there are two and a half tribes who who would prefer to stay in in the good land rather than go into Canaan and enjoy the very best that God has for them. And I don't want him to have to look anywhere else, do you? I don't want him to have to look anywhere else for a people to use. I want to make sure we're all counted in to all that he has for us, for all, to all that he's promised for us, all that he's provided for us, that we make our lives count for what we've been counted for. I want to say to myself, David, it's not enough to have left Egypt, my old life, my old ways. It's not enough to be wandering in the wilderness. He wants me to enter into Canaan and enjoy everything he's got for me. I want to say like Paul says in Philippians 3, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. God's church, Jesus' church, his ecclesia, are by definition called out people, counted out people, but we are also sent into the world, called into all that he has for us. And let's decide Let's decide, all of us decide, that we will never choose comfort over calling or or, um, being mundane over embracing our mission or being routine over being radical. When we were together last month, we had some time together, the elders and wives and Deborah and myself, and the Lord spoke to us a prophetic word He said, ensure that people don't go into hibernation. Ensure that people don't go into hibernation. That's partly why I'm sharing this word this morning, that we must not hibernate at this time. You know, as we enter the colder months, it's natural for some creatures to hibernate, find a cozy place, shut themselves away, conserve energy by not moving, close your eyes, Go to sleep for a few months. That's natural for some creatures. But we're not some of those creatures. It's not natural for us. It's not the way for the people of God. It's really vital that we don't adopt a mindset of camping or wandering and certainly not of waiting for things to somehow return to something that we used to call normal Because this is a time for purposeful, powerful movement throughout our church. Movement throughout our church. And I want to finish this morning with some ways that you can count yourself in and get yourself moving and play your part. Some ways that I can count myself in, get moving, David, play my part and serve in the army of God at this time. Here you go. So so here are some ways. Um, The first is, why don't you decide you're going to call someone different every day? 
to strengthen them, encourage them, and sharpen them. To ask the Holy Spirit who you should speak to in the coming week, to make a list of them, and get calling, because they need to hear your voice. And please include me, and I'm sure the elders will say, please include them, please include us on your list. We need to hear from you. Secondly, stay connected with all that's happening online and in our physical gatherings, whether that's in life groups, which will resume soon, and Rich will say more about that in just a moment, or our midweek meetups, or in our youth, or our or hot rock. Listen, meeting online may not be your preference. It's not mine either. We all get that. But don't disconnect. Having you there is a real encouragement to everybody else, and you're part of this body. Thirdly, Stir yourself up. Stir yourself up, David, to move in the gifts of the Spirit in this time. It's vital we don't let the absence of larger gatherings limit the dynamic of our church. We are still the church. And as far as I can tell, the New Testament church turned the world upside and moved in power as they met from house to house. And there's very little of larger gatherings described for us in there. Why don't you read... Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. And tell the Lord you eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, His gifts through you. Then get ready to give others, bring others prophetic word, to move in words of knowledge, in tongues and interpretation, and in the dynamics of God, to pray for healings for people. Let's be more dynamic in this season, not less dynamic. Don't let the thief take anything else away. Fourthly, get ready to welcome new members into our church, which we will be doing, I believe, I hope, next Sunday morning as we're here, uh, and celebrate the growth that God is giving us. That's a good thing to do. Fifthly, I want to encourage you to join in weekly prayer and fasting, starting on Tuesdays, starting on the 3rd of November, week on Tuesday, weekly prayer and fasting on Tuesdays for our church to be healthy and growing and full of love, and for our community. Prayer and fasting by adults and youth and children, by an army of all ages, waging warfare against disease and division and hopelessness and negativity. Then when I say to you, here's another way you can serve and get involved in this, get moving, move more. Know that you're made for mission. And look for opportunities every day to be a source of overflowing love and life, hope and optimism and positivity and strength and security and encouragement, to be an overflowing source to all those people God has put around you. And then to say, know that you're made for mission and support one or more of our existing community initiatives. There's many things going on. And I, I, I can only very briefly mention a few of them now, and you know of some of these, some of them might be new to you. The Leicester Homeless Aid, providing hot meals and more on the streets of Leicester. Dozens of people are being helped and finding hope in Jesus and seeing healing and seeing lives begin to be restored. And it costs about £750 a week for Rachel Morris and her family to run that project. They need sleeping bags, they need money, they need blankets, they need socks, they need donations. £5 buys a hot meal, a hot drink, a food bag and toiletries. We can all be involved. Let's pray, let's donate, let's support that fantastic initiative. Contact Rachel for more details. Mini Mum Stop, 
We'll be commencing again in Stony Stanton with Suzanne Ward and in Market Harbour with Tilly for mums with their new babies. And you can pray and you can volunteer in Market Harbour. It'll be Thursdays, 10 till 12. We're looking at ways that we can provide hot meals to the community. We need to work out some details of that. But for those in need, we want to be able, from our facility here, to provide hot meals for the, some people in the community. Safe Families, a brilliant project supporting families in need by creating family-like extended family where we can um, support as faith-filled volunteers and you can contact Jackie Diaper for more information about that. Father's Heart Youth, Youth Ranch, a big shout out to Katie, bringing hope to disadvantaged children using horses. You can, you can volunteer, you can pray, you can donate, contact Katie for details. Pebbles, Big shout out to Janet, baby equipment for free for young families in need. Janet needs referrals. She's lots of equipment to give away. So let people know that we have free baby equipment to give away and contact Janet for more information. And the last of these I want to mention is the Living Rock Church bags of life. Bags of life, food basics and goodies that we can give away for anybody in need via some of our other projects. We'll be announcing more details soon, but you can give, you can donate, you can pray. Lots of things already set up that all of us can be involved in. The next thing I want to say, two more things. This is a really big one. We need to know if you have ideas, initiatives that we could support you in or encourage you in ways of reaching the community. We want to engender a culture in our church of innovation and creative ideas to reach our community. So let us know if you've got something brilliant that we could do or we could support you in. And the last thing I want to say, why don't you come along to Rooted, a new teaching series. I'll be running online over the winter months, going deeper into the word into some theology, building strength and security into people's lives. And we'll be doing that via Zoom starting um, a week on Sunday, Sunday the 15th of November, 7 to 8 p.m. Details will be shared in an, e in an email. If you're a visitor and would like to know more about that, you can be in touch with the church office. Friends, we must make our lives count in these days. All of them were counted by name. All of them were qualified to serve, but none of them made it. The same must not be true of us. We must make it in to all that God has for us. I pray that we will all make a decision this morning. I want my life to really count. Lord, I want you to help me recover from any bad choices I've made in the past. He, he can do that easily. I want fresh impetus to be able to serve in your army. God bless you. Have an absolutely brilliant week. I'm just going to hand over to Rich now, who's going to close our gathering. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.